Unspoken Issues. There's only two left. Wildcats number one makes our list. You had it at number two. I had it at number three. And it's making second place on our list here. Let's go ahead and start talking about it. What are your thoughts on, I mean, this is Wildcats number one. You're picking it up off the shelf. Uh, uh, The hype of Jim Lee. I mean, being now, he's now got his own independent title. Mm-hmm. I mean, my goodness, what else can you ask for here? <laughs> this hits shelves August 7th, 1992. Wildcats, Covert Action Team's number one hits the shelves, written by Brandon Choi, writer and penciler Jim Lee, inked by Scott Williams, lettered by Michael Heisler, and colored by Joe Rosas. The title of the first story is Resurrection Day. Just, you know, when I was getting these books together, you know, I've got all the first issues. So I was going through my long boxes trying to pull out. I wanted to look at, you know, I have some trades with some of these, but I wanted like the original issues to, to look through for this one. I don't have a Wildcats number one. Really? <laughs> rich, I have all the other four issues. I have two, three, and four. And I have a Wildcats number one 3D Okay. Uh, <laughs> All right. Yes, I know what you're talking uh, about there. So I've got I've got the 3D version that I got a, a few years later. It was released in the like 97, I think. I had the issue originally, and then I had the trade of it that came with issue number zero, which I'll bring up as we talk about this. But then you know, you I, I had that period where I got out of comics. We've uh, I've talked about it a million times, and when that happened, I actually had to get rid of all my comics. Or at least the vast majority. I, I was able to keep just a handful, oh. but um, I, got, I had to get rid of all my comics. And when I started my collection up again, you know, I, re- I, I was able to rebuy most of the stuff, you know, that I'd had before. But I never somehow I never got another Wildcats number one, maybe because I got this 3D version. and I thought I just didn't need the regular. Right, version. right, right. Yeah. So that's what I'm referencing is my, my Wildcats 3D number one. OK, OK. On our front cover here, let's start with let's start with Spartan. He seems to be the biggest figure uh, out of the rest of everybody else here. Tell us about Spartan of the Wildcats. So Spartan is the field leader, and he's a an android who I believe uh, he, he uh, has his consciousness downloaded into a new body every time the previous one's destroyed. You know, I'm I'm not 100% sure if he orig- the, the original Spartan died and they uploaded his consciousness into like a computer, and that's what gets put into all of the new bodies. Something like that, I think, is what's going on. Tell me about Maul. Uh, Maul is the resident bruiser. Everybody's got one. <laughs> and he's a big purple guy with tusks coming out of his back. He has the ability to grow larger and larger and larger, but the larger he gets, the dumber he gets. So right. in his normal human form, as he if he wasn't large at all, he he's like a brilliant scientist or whatever. But uh, in his role as part of the Wildcats, he's kind of a dumb jock bruiser type. All right, and then we have Void over here uh, on the right-hand side of the cover here. Tell us about Void. Void looks kind of like a female Silver Surfer, but she's got, <laughs> except for her face is exposed as like, you know, a white lady instead of silver. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's the most powerful probably of the group, has some kind of cosmic abilities, uh, and she's kind of like an advisor to Lord Imp, who is like the head of the team, not the field leader, but like the the actual He's sort of the Professor X to Spartan the Wildcats. Cyclops. Yeah. Right. All right. Then we have Warblade. Warblade is the Wolverine archetype of the team. <laughs> uh, we talked about Ripclaw earlier, and he's got a similar thing going, except uh, he can make all sorts of different kind of blades out of his 
liquid metal style hands and he's got a big green ponytail coming out the back of his uh <laughs> silver scalp all right and then we have voodoo down here in the bottom right voodoo a sexy uh mm-hmm. exotic dancer who new to the team uh she uh has the ability to see the villains of the of the story who are the daemonites alien creatures that can possess humans she can see when a human's been possessed by a daemonite and she can exercise them from the human hosts you already mentioned lord imp jacob marlowe uh so yeah kind of like the the de facto uh professor x of the team so then we'll talk about zealot tell me about zealot zealot is a coda warrior and she's uh has a a katana type uh, sword and she uses some other kind of bladed weapons doesn't really use guns she uses more martial arts she's got kind of a short white hair kind of has kind of scantily clad but still has some armor on her um and face paint red face paint on uh kind of like some stripes on her cheeks and a, and a dot on her on her forehead but uh she's kind of the the most badass warrior of the group right for sure <laughs> And then Cole Cash, the grifter. What about Cole Cash? Yeah, probably the most popular Wildcat character, uh, if for no other reason than he has had his own solo series several times. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, he he's a uh, kind of he's a gunman, sort of not really a Punisher type. He's yeah, more of like a Nick Fury, like a younger Nick Fury type. I like that. Uh, he, he's got a a red bandana mask that he wears. Love that. Trench coat, Love that look. like open with open hair, you know, flowing. So real 90s look to him. So, you know, he's close to my heart. Yeah, he's he's definitely pretty cool. He's a former government operative. I think he was with Team 7, which is one of the, like, Wildstorm. Yeah, they, I think Deathblow was part of that. Backlash, some of those characters were all part of Team 7 in their younger days. And Cole Cash was one of them. And now he's been, Zealot has taken him under her wing and trained him in some of the, her warrior ways and whatnot. Yeah, there's a there's definitely a bond between those two as the story progresses throughout the series. You can see that they've obviously known each other for uh, a while. And mm. that's mentioned actually here in this first issue. This story, uh, it begins kind of strange. There's a lot of time jumps. Um, yeah. So, OK, so we start out first in 1980. So there's a couple of researchers who find a mysterious orb and encounter a fading female figure who tells them not to touch it. And then she disappears. She looks familiar. She looks like somebody that's on the front of this uh, comic book. <laughs> uh, then in the near future of August 1992, a couple of men are assessing a, a, an explosion where two rogue covert action teams fought and leveled some city blocks. The same female figure reappears and then fades away again. Now, in the present of 1990, they say it's the present, but let's just fo- uh, follow me here. In 1990, <laughs> in 1990, a man by the name of Jacob Marlowe is found by the female that we were talking about that keeps disappearing, uh, whose name is Void. And she explains that he was once Lord Imp, champion of mankind. He takes her hand and then awakens in 1992. Now a successful businessman with Void by his side, who tells Jacob, Jacob Marlowe, Lord Imp, of a vision she has of an orb that an enemy uses against her and threatens the future. They check on the team that they have put together to fight the evil that is the Cabal. Spartan, the leader, Warblade, and Maul are uh, all part of the team at this moment. Underwater, 
the cabal yeah there's like a sub submarine underwater uh so the cabal this evil team called the cabal meets and they're led by hellspot uh, and they're seeking a third gifted one they're trying to find somebody else out there that's uh, I, it felt like they're trying to find somebody before the wildcats get to them Mm-hmm. before Jacob Marlowe and his team get to him. Uh, so they, they're talking to a seeker by the name of Providence, uh, and she sees where a couple more of these gifted ones could be. Then we switch to Cole Cash, Grifter, heads to a, who's heading to a strip joint to find a being of power there who turns out to be Voodoo. She's a, a, a dancer. Hellspawn's forces, though, arrive at the same time, so it sounds like they were both uh, Lord M's people and Hellspawn's people will all show up at the same time. But Hellspawn's forces arrive to take Voodoo as well, and they make their move. Cash dons his mask, even though he was waiting on Zealot, who hasn't showed up yet. Cash is able to get to Voodoo, but then is surrounded until Void teleports Spartan, Maul, and Warblade onto the scene. When it appears everything has been handled by M's team, he is taken hostage, but rescued by Zealot. Zealot explains the Daemonites will not stop until Jacob is dead. But then the Cabal's Coda assassin activates a bomb and blows up the strip joint with everyone in it as Hellspont and Dan Quayle. Mm-hmm. Dan Quayle enjoy their next steps forward for project reunification and an assured Daemonite victory. Okay, so the explosion, I assume this explosion that occurs where it blows up the strip joint is the explosion that the people in the future of night August 92 are seeing. So it's right. like, I, I, that's, yeah, okay. All right, that's so what got my these, impression was. We got these weird time jumps going on. Yeah, I'm um, not sure it all makes sense. <laughs> it definitely doesn't. They're starting with a very interesting story. Uh, I mean, I've got the gist of what's going on. It's kind of all over the place how we get there. But I'm wondering if there's going to be some type of time travel involved. I don't know if there is or not. Clearly, Void's able to transverse or uh, traverse time in some way. I assume that's what she's doing. She's showing up. She may be all places all at once. I don't know. You know, she's able to do some some crazy stuff as she's going backwards in time and forwards in time, talking about this orb and, and doing all that. I, I mean, we really don't get much here other than our... Again, introduction to our team. It's a team book. We got to get everybody kind of mm-hmm. give them their chance to kind of shine for a few. Hellspot's a cool looking character. I don't, he is awesome. I believe when I was looking up some stuff about him, he is a member of the same race as Photon from Young. Oh, really? Oh, but okay. he's possessed by a Daemonite. Interesting. So that's why he looks a little different, which explains he's why a- he has the big, you know, Wolverine type headpiece type. Yeah. Going out of, and then the flames coming out the of blue words. flames. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it very cool, very cool image. Yeah, I like I like him as uh, his look as a villain is really neat. And we got these two warring races. Uh, like there's the care is Carabum is the Carabum mentioned in this issue? I, I think say that there is one or two mentions of them, but. But yeah, that's what the plot of Wildcats basically is, is the Daemonites are an alien race that are at war with the Caribbean. Both of these races have been here for thousands of years, kind of battling, you know, without the knowledge of the human race, knowing what's going on. But the, the Daemonites are the bad guys in the Caribbean. Right, right, right. And obviously having Voodoo in on the team would help them. Uh, if she's right. able to see who they are, then she can help at least point the wildcats in the right direction. Jim Lee art is he is the quintessential artist for image comics for me. (laughs) 
every every character has a look that kind of feels right. It doesn't feel too a, extremely cartoony. It feels kind of you know it's almost real. Re, I can believe right. it. You know, like so, Jim Lee is a guy like. It's kind of like a, a Mark Bagley or and th- their styles aren't similar at all, really. But but it, you look at somebody like Mark Bagley, George Perez uh, in, in the hands of somebody who's a little more exaggerated and more flashy. Uh, the proportions aren't quite the same. But like somebody like Jim Lee, Mark Bagley, George Perez, they're going to give you a more realistic look like in a real world setting. Like, well, this is what that crazy character would look like, you know, if they were a real person. basically. Right. Right. And it looks great. I mean, it just it looks fantastic because, uh, you know, we see Jim Lee doing a lot of the Youngblood characters in Wildcats number three when and three and four when they guest star right. in those right. issues. So we see his, his interpretation of some of the Liefeld characters and they they're a little more toned down, a little more proportion, more like, you know, human, you know, more like a, yeah. a normal human would be or whatever. But yeah, the anatomy seems on point. Yeah, for sure. So I, I just found that panel that you were talking about that mentions the cyber force uh, where Marlo says, what a dream. Lightning, right. lightning faces, bat, uh, big goons, big guns. Got to lay <laughs> off the spicy broads. Oh, Lord. Imp. The Wildcats miniseries is one that I've always kind of I had the, the trade. I got the trade collection when I was younger for Wildcats and Savage Dragon. So those were trades that I would just read over and over and over again. I've read, so I've read, you know, the, the Wildcats miniseries so many, so many times, and it it still reads really well for me. It's just like it seems like the perfect ninety. What what I would think of as the perfect nineties superhero movie, if they could make, if they could have made a big budget superhero movie in the nineties, Wildcats yeah. would have been perfect for it. <laughs> right, dude. And, and the plot of aliens, you know, I think invading and and taking over political positions. I mean, Dan Quayle. Who yeah. I, I don't think it's disclosed in this that he is a Damonite, uh, right. but we find out that he is at some point. If I and, remember and I was going to bring up about Dan Quayle. You know, he shows up in the last couple panels, and they're really trying to to hit home, like, "Hey, this is Dan Quayle," without actually saying <laughs> it's Dan Quayle. I know <laughs> because you know when I was 11, 12 years old, I didn't know. I mean, I knew who Dan Quayle was. I knew he was the vice president. I probably knew what he looked like, but like. This didn't look like Dan Quill to me. I, this is like another guy in a suit. Well, in a yeah, comic. right. But right. they they make sure to say uh, he has a line by comparison will be small potatoes, and they misspell potatoes in in the word balloon. Oh no! As <laughs> like an intentional reference Dig? to him misspelling it in a speech or something, whatever it was that happened with him. That's hilarious. And then he he name checks his wife as well, right? To like. I guess to give another hint, like, hey, this is Dan Quell, guys. Hey, it's Vice hey. President, guys. Smiling, smiling at the camera right now. Last yeah. panel. It's Dan Quayle, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Marlo mentions he's worth two point five billion uh, when he's talking to one of his underlings. Uh, so I checked, and that is a little over five billion in twenty twenty two dollars. So <laughs> he's got lots of money. Well, let's just uh, let's just hope he didn't invest in crypto because <laughs> they. <laughs> Taking might be back. running up. Might be having a problem right now. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, um, I do like the Halo building. Uh, the design of that. It's 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 basically a skyscraper skyscraper with a halo on it, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, that's cool addition to the New York skyline because the Daily Planet, the 
Daily Bugle. Those are kind of famous buildings in comics. So uh, Jim Lee kind of given his own spin on a on a famous uh, on a on a skyscraper landmark for his his image universe, his corner of the image universe. Yeah, this just touches on the characters. We don't get a we definitely don't get like every. We, I don't even think we learn about Maul being stupid in this, do we? Does does that come up at all? Uh, just a quick reference where you know when when uh, they bust through the wall. You know, uh, oh, that's right. Maul throws Warblade through the through the wall. Warblade has a line that it says, uh, "Spartan says explanation." Warblade now, and and Warblade responses, "What's it look like, Coach? The boy's grown too big for his brain again." That's right. So that's kind of a reference to like the bigger he gets, the dumber he gets. Um, yep. This um, moment here with with their fight spilling over into the hangar in in the trade paperback for the miniseries came bagged with issue number zero okay of wildcats wildcats number zero which is a cool a cool book and it's got brett booth as the artist and he's doing a real jim lee clone style art so to try and make it look you know (laughs) line it up with with these books and we see uh more of maul and warblade in their training room like fighting battle droids and stuff and we see where that their argument and and fight starts out and then you know it spills over here into this part because the issue zero kind of takes place concurrent with issue number one i think is if i remember right always thought pike had a cool looking he definitely had a great appearance uh this Mm -hmm. bad guy it looks sort of he's the mercenary type dude that uh uh, looks very similar to deadpool i mean well a lesson just go ahead. If we ever have any other comics that have a character that's in black and red, just go <laughs> ahead and put me down because apparently that's what matters to me. <laughs> right in your wheelhouse. <laughs> right there. Let's go ahead and pick a panel here. Okay. I'm going to go with Grifter unloading on the guys in the, in the, uh, in the war suits or whatever, where he's jumping around the table in the strip club and he's firing both of his guns. And there's that really cool sound effect with it's the sound of the guns going yes. off and they're yeah. kind of like trailing along with the guns, almost like it's a, a sound effect slash special effect thing going. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm looking, you know, before you, even when I think of that, Grifter, that's the image that comes to mind. <laughs> him. Yeah. Him diving sideways, this very John wick kind of looking thing <laughs> Yeah. Two page zealot dropping through. I'm going <laughs> to, Oh boy. I mean, Jim Lee could draw a lady. <laughs> that is for sure. I want to go with that. You know, Zealot, even though she's late to the party, she shows up. She looks completely badass. She's got her katana and whatever in the world these things are that she can apparently detach from her back and either use or throw. You know, she's very curvy and <laughs> she's in red. She's got that real short hair, which you didn't see too much. I mean, I'm sure that was around, but you didn't see too much of that. You didn't see a, too many ladies with very sh- with short white hair. Yeah, um, and not she's as, not as common as as the varied hairstyles we get today. Right. When you think of the Wildcats, I think of her for some reason. She's yeah. like always like number. I, I would say she's probably number one uh, mm-hmm. when I think of that. So you know, there you go. There's my panel. Um, a couple. Uh, quick notes. We, we talked earlier about or, uh, about how Silvestri and Jim Lee, it seemed like they, you know, they weren't really bringing, um, as far as I know, characters from their past. Over. Yeah, they, they were kind of like, well, we're both X-Men guys, you know, let, w- let's just do team books, 
similar to the X-Men. The Wildcats have the combat training room, which is kind of like their danger room. They have the right. Merv instead of the Blackbird. So more examples of them just kind of kind of doing the same type of thing they were doing before, which is probably where some of the criticism comes from them, you know, from the image guys. We're just doing Marvel ripoffs, but like, I don't yeah. care uh, because right. the books are fun and they look great. And also we get the Asian news reporter, a couple of times on, on some TV screens right. in this issue. Also showed up in the Spawn number one. Pretty sure she showed up in some Savage Dragon issues. They were they were using that was a, another part of like the incontinuity thing where in the early days they were kind of like sharing a lot of the same the same stuff. And then the meeting with with um, Hellspawn on the sub. It kind of it, Hellspawn kind of implies that Jesus was a cherubim, maybe. <laughs> Because he says, uh, he's talking about being betrayed or whatever, and he says, once upon a time I paid a man 30 pieces of silver to betray his own mentor. How much did the gnome gnome pay you, Alberto? So, yeah, that just a a biblical reference there. Like, oh, so I guess he's saying uh, Jesus was a cherubim. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, all right. Yeah, that's all I got for Wildcats. Thanks for joining us. Unspoken Issues is part of the UnspokenDecade.com, the home for 90s comics, blogs, and podcasts. Unspoken Issues also has a Facebook group you can join if you are interested. Just search the Unspoken Issues podcast and request to join. All of this would not be possible without W2Mnet.com and the Rattelich and Broadcasting Network, so make sure to seek them out for more podcasts. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please feel free to share, and we look forward to entertaining you again soon.